Welcome back. You are listening to Three Makes Baby with me, your host, Shanna Rupnow, the author of Three Makes Baby and a fertility counselor specializing in alternate family building. Hello, everyone. Man, it is so good to be back. I took a break, went, went to the mountains, hiked with grizzly bears, and got a brand new perspective on life. And um, it, I'm refreshed and ready to do this work again and show up for you guys. And it's really great because having that fresh perspective, I think, invited new people and new content and new questions that w- would come my way. So I have Lindsay Blunt here with me today, and we crossed paths just a couple weeks ago on social media. And she, it was this kind of collision of worlds that happened, which is one of the cool things about social media. And I got to see her on a live. We talked on the phone um, and I really just loved how you were so good with words and so concise. And I thought it would be great for you to articulate those, some of the same things that you shared um, on social media over the past few weeks, but also, you know, we can get into some further you know, issues, recent things that have come up more and more on social media now that more people are talking about it, donor conception. So I'm going to introduce Lindsay to you and, and let you tell us a little bit about, you know, a little bit about your background story. Yeah. Hi. So I, I found out, well, I was, it was confirmed that I am donor conceived in May of 2020, right at the height of the pandemic. Um, and I'll just go back into a tiny bit of a backstory. When I was 13, my stepfather told me that my father, my dad is not my biological father. And I called my dad up right away. And he said, that's not true. I'm your father. So, um, I spent a lot of time, not really knowing who was telling the truth. Um, my mom sat me down and told me that I'm donor conceived. I called my dad and he said, that's not true. So I now your was your dad not living with yeah, your mom. So it was your stepfather. Yeah, my, my parents got divorced when I was 13. Um, so there was a, was your stepfather, he's saying it to you in a way that was like, he was trying to bring something, you know, up to hurt you. Or was he saying it just like, this is the truth and you should no, know. No, there was an argument and he told me to, yeah. yeah. Um, it was okay. a very traumatic That's way, a very happens. traumatic way of finding out that my yes. dad is not my biological father. Um, and that took some time to work through. And I think because mm-hmm. of the way it was told to me and because I loved my dad so much, I just wanted to believe my dad who at the time I believe was like the only good in the world. Right. So I needed to believe my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, um, when I was 18, I asked my mom again, she said, here's the phone number. Here's the name of the doctor that I use. And I'm, I was born in Fort Myers, Florida. Um, and I called that doctor and they run an abortion clinic right now. So I, for me, that was, see, you're, t- you're not telling the truth. I wasn't donor conceived. Um, that doctor was a fertility specialist and then got into running an abortion clinic. So, and is actually in jail right now. So for me, it was just sort of, oh, I know wow. I was like, you're telling you're lying. And so I, I thought that my mom had an affair and I thought my mom cheated on my dad and that's how I came to be. So, I mean, I essentially was learned it at 13, didn't want to believe it, but there was always sort of that, like, cause then I started picking things apart. I would look at my dad. I don't look, mm-hmm. eh, I don't look nothing like my dad. <laughs> and uh, so I would pick things apart or I look nothing like my, mm-hmm. my grandma or my, my aunt or my cousins or anybody. So I'm like, Ooh, maybe they are telling the truth. And there were times I, um, I would see a man and I would think, I wonder if that's my biological father or 
where I would start thinking like, did my biological father have other kids? Do I have siblings? Because I was an only child until I was 16. My mom and my stepdad had a baby when I was 16. So I was sort of walking around thinking maybe I have siblings out there. So I'm sure I freaked out a lot of people by staring at them. They're probably like, what is this 15 doing staring at me? But <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing, especially in grocery stores. I don't you know why. That was just, yeah. It's just a lot of searching in people's faces for who you are, because all of a sudden you look in the mirror and sure there's is. that identity disruption. You, you suddenly don't know who you are. Um, so my mm-hmm. father was diagnosed with cancer, um, nine years ago and eight years ago, he passed away, but I was pregnant with my very, so it's sad. actually eight years on Tuesday. So it's a little raw right now, but, oh my goodness. Yeah. I was pregnant with my first daughter. Um, I was eight months pregnant when he passed away, but a month before he died, we went for a walk and I said, you know, one of you is lying. It's either you or mom. Someone is lying. And this is like my identity and not even that now I'm pregnant. This is my daughter's identity. This is her biological family, her family tree. It's like, we've got this tree with no branch, but you know, the branch belongs there. So, or no root, like what's holding down my tree. It's like going to fall over. So Um, he said, he took a deep breath and he said, okay, I'm not your biological father, but I'm your dad, which yes, he was. Um, and I said, Mm -hmm. okay, well, is mom telling the truth? Did she use a donor? And he said, I don't know anything about that. So, and he, and then he died. So I don't know what went on in their marriage or if he ever knew And it's honestly none of my, none of my business. It doesn't matter at this point, but, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, and so he passed away for seven years. I wanted to take a DNA test. Um, I didn't because I kept feeling like I was going to betray the memory of my father because it shouldn't matter who my bio father is. And that's what a lot of donor conceived people deal with. Yes, Uh, that's true. There's a divided loyalty loyalty and it isn't, it Mm -hmm. is intense. Um, then the pandemic hit Mm -hmm. and, um, all of a sudden, all of the things that I could use to occupy my brain, like target, um, (laughs) like, just going outside, um, I couldn't do because we were like this. Well, this was April um, of the pandemic, we were like a month into the pandemic, and everyone was scared and mobilized, and we were all sort of like stuck. Um, had a lot of time with my thoughts. Yeah. So I said to my husband, "I think I'm. I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to get this the DNA test. I'm going to try 23andMe." Mm-hmm. So I did it. The results came back on a Saturday morning. My husband was off taking the girls horseback riding, and I got the results and. I had six half siblings on the 23 and me. And I was like, well, <laughs> either my biological father had like a super fun time in the eighties <laughs> or uh, my mom was telling the truth. So yeah. reached out to all of them and one got back to me right away. Um, and we talked on the phone and she said, I don't know what, you know, but I'm donor conceived your donor. We're all donor conceived. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, oh my God, this is crazy. And she's like, but there's more, there's more people on, on ancestry. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I think there was like five more and six more on ancestry at the time. Um, and then I called my mom <laughs> and I said, okay, guess what? I'm donor conceived. And she's like, yeah, I've been trying to tell you that for years. <laughs> um, wow. It's, it's the first time that, you know, it's almost kind of like a reverse where you were denying that she was, you know, you, obviously there was confusion. There was, there were different stories. You didn't know who to trust, but that is that where she was telling you, but you didn't believe it or didn't know for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. It's crazy. Um, so uh, there's a lot of, there was a lot of repairing to do with my mom, um, because I believe that she had cheated on my dad when she did not. So that was, that was a really interesting road to walk 
on with oh, my that mom. had to be mm-hmm. We're really close now. So it, I mean, everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I connected a lot with my siblings and when my mom was telling me in like my twenties, no, I used a donor and I started to do research on what does it mean to be donor conceived? And I found out that you could have a donor ID. And I asked my mom, where's the contract? Where's the donor ID? You need a contract. And she's like, all I know is that he um, was in med school and he had blue eyes. That's all I know. Mm -hmm. Um, It's usually just a couple pieces of information that parents will remember. They'll kind of grasp onto that. In in the late seventies, early eighties, that's all you could know. You yeah, could only eye color, and that was it. Um, and, so. and you know, it's interesting because yeah, and that's true. There's very little you can know, and then there is still just there for whatever reason. Even when you do know more, there are there are just certain, you know, it's almost like one or two or three, a handful of things that that they'll gather and keep and then pass on. And that's well, the story hearing what the donor wants you to know. And what, and mm-hmm. let's not forget it, if you're, if you're using a donor in the U S uh, they want to be a good donor so they can get paid. Right. So they're, it's almost like meeting someone on match.com. They're not going to put all of their horrible things on match.com. No one's ever going to message them. Right. So the donor yeah, going to exactly. put their best foot forward. Um, so you don't actually know who you're getting. Um, for your child. Um, but my mom definitely didn't know. Um, so anyway, we all have, some of my siblings have this donor ID. And I remember back in my twenties, I found the donor sibling registry where you can put your donor ID in there and match up with anybody else that puts that same donor ID in. And I, I was like, it was just this four, like four numbers that I didn't know that could have unlocked my family. And I find out that my siblings that I, that I am now recently connected with, they've been on the DSR for 13 years. They've for the number number. and Mm -hmm. and then one of them just said it. And it was just so amazing just to have the number out in the air. Like there was all these Mm -hmm. years and here it is. And she just said it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was really surreal. Um, Oh, I bet. Yeah. It's, you know, those pieces of information that are in the file that you either get or you don't get can be really important to, to individuals that are kids or adults that are donor conceived, um, because it is, it's like these little clues into who you are. And the banks hold the key to all of donor conceived people's identities under lock Mm -hmm. and key. Um, so we got the donor ID. I called, um, I'm a Zytex baby. So I called Zytex and I said, I have a donor ID. And they said, well, did your mother report your birth? And I said, well, no, it was back in 1980. So she did not. Mm-hmm. And so um, they said, well, your mom can call and report the birth. So my mom calls and they said um, that the donor ID doesn't exist. Um, and then a few months later I called and they said there was a fire and the records were destroyed. And then one of my siblings called and they said there was a flood, which is a oh big, my gosh. big thing for, um, for banks to do to donor can see people trying to find out me- mm-hmm. medical information or really anything. So that's just a side note, but so mm-hmm. no one knew who our biological father was three days after I found out, I cracked the case. Um, I did some genetic genealogy and we had a third cousin that was on the 20 on 23 and me. So that we all shared. So clearly it was our biological father's second cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, he did not, he has not done a DNA test. No one in his immediate family have done a DNA test, but that second cousin was able to point us to him. Um, I can't go into how, because then it sort of reveals who he is, but he's very much in the public eye mm-hmm. um, in his state. So I can't go into who he is, but um, mm-hmm. without a shadow of a doubt, he is our biological father based off of um, the people that we DNA connect with and his line of work. Um, okay. So yeah. 
Yeah. So we reached out to him. He, um, emailed me, um, a few months after we reached out to him and he said that he doesn't wish to be contacted and, um, that we haven't confused with someone else. And then a year later, a new sibling popped up. She sent him a letter with all of the reasons why we know he's ours. And he just actually recently sent us a letter, like a five page letter admitting that he donated, but won't admit that he's ours, but then did give us some medical information. So, yeah. um, so that's where we're at with our biological father right now. And that's sort still, of my still in secret, still buried, still, still buried. buried. Yes. It's still under yeah. lock and key. Um, which but- gives you, which puts the responsibility on your shoulders. The person who didn't make the decision has to have the responsibility to keep, to protect others. How has that affected you? It's immensely. I, and I'll say like, and I, I do want to just put this out there. I don't speak for all donor conceivable and I don't speak for even my siblings. There's a lot of us and we have very different feelings and opinions on our biological father. Um, but I think that, I think I could say that a lot of us are feeling sort of this like intense, um, responsibility to have to tell our new siblings. Um, so when new people pop up, a lot of them are finding out for the first time their donor conceived because they DNA connect with us. And we're, we're having to tell the story that my biological father should be telling his biological children. Um, it shouldn't be my responsibility to tell his bio kids who he is and his medical information. Um, so I feel like there's some responsibility there, but as far as me having to hunt down my bio family, which is how it feels sometimes, just so I can find out who I am feels wildly unfair. And I, yeah. And, and I under prefer- almost like you're less privileged. Yes. Right. Like that's how, I mean, as an adoptee, that's what it felt like to me. Like, I don't get the privilege that most people get to know their genetic roots. Yes. Why was that denied to me? And what is, here's what little kids do. What is wrong with me that I didn't get that? Yeah. What did I do wrong? And, I, and- what, what's more my, what, what, what are my flaws? Am I flawed? Because I don't get to do what most people get. And I will say that the argument that I get back when I say things like that um, to recipient parents, I'll just call them RPs, um, DCP is donor conceived person, that's me, RP, recipient parent. I get, well, so-and-so grew up without a dad, their dad walked out on them or their mom had a one night stand and they don't have access. So it's the same, but it's not the same because we DCP were created with the sole intent to withhold half of our identities and sever our biological parents or our our biological parent and family. Um, if my mom had a one night stand, they, she didn't do that. She didn't go into that one night stand with the sole intent of severing my bio family or with the sole intent of having me have to search 40 years later for my biological father, my biological mother and, or my, um, grandmother and grandfather. Um, there's, there's the difference there. That is a, I will say some, some have, I mean, you know that song. All I want to do is make love to you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it happens. I mean, it, it yeah. happens. But I'm sure people have done it. Women have yes. done it to try to solve their own fertility issues in their yes. in their family. But the point really is, is that it just because it happens doesn't mean there isn't pain and loss in it. So, well, you know what happens if a you know you get pregnant and the guy runs out? Well, are we saying that's not difficult for the child? No, that's a hundred percent difficult. And I agree. Yeah. So that's, this is what the problem with trying to explain this. It's so complex. And then somebody grabs this, this example that they think is the same 
and and then you start arguing about it yeah. and you get start picking it apart when really the root of it is we're still talking about a loss. So children go through the common losses they experience are with death, divorce, adoption, even like abandonment, you know, a parent runs off and, or doesn't parent. What we really need to do is just look at the child's perspective and what they're experiencing and the loss that they're experiencing and just try to understand it better so we can better help them. I think the biggest thing in there though, is that the, the loss that I feel or DCP feel have nothing to do with our parents. They think it does though, because they think you're saying they shouldn't, you shouldn't have done this, right? That's right. Um, or that you're, that I'm going to, that you're going to traumatize your kid. You're no matter what, you're going to traumatize your kids now because you you've signed them up for this mm-hmm. trauma. And, and uh, I will say there's ways to minimize that trauma, but get ready that there could be, and maybe not trauma, but there could be struggles. There could be pain and don't take on that pain as yeah. personal that mm-hmm put, allow your child to feel the pain and then equip yourself so that you can help your child go through it. And that starts with listening to different can see people's stories, all different kinds of stories, get like arm yourself with all of the possibilities that could happen. Like your child could at some point in their life, it it could be after they become parents themselves. It could be after you pass away, but some point in their life, they might feel like, Hmm, I actually wasn't made out of love. My conception was cold and sterile and frozen. There was no love in my conception. Wait till you, your kid learns about how snowflakes with snowflakes, if there's like, um, I don't know if you've seen this, but, um, like when they're frozen, if, or I think it's a plant or something, but if you like talk really bad to it, if it's, if it's negative, it's not made of love, it like dies and it yeah. looks different. Like yeah. the, the, not the deep, but the composition of it is right. different, but then if it's like around something beautiful and loving and, and love mm-hmm. is introduced, it changes, it changes. So then, so when I learned that in my DCP mind, I was like at the root of how my conception was not created out of love. My mom felt love maybe while maybe at the moment of conception, but my biological father did not because he sold me. He gave me away. He didn't even care what home I ended up in. So what you're saying is the, the, your biological father who contributed, you know, to your conception didn't have the same feelings yeah, he didn't as your mom and your dad. No. So even though the the intention of you was created in love, Mm -hmm. what you're saying is the act itself wasn't. Right. Okay. Yeah. Which is true, right? mm -hmm. I was, I was conceived in a medical office. I was thought out. Half of me was thought out and inseminated. That's not an act of love, right? By another doctor. Like it's just a very cold and clinical way to be created. That doesn't mean that I am, that doesn't mean that I am now set up for, to be like a monster. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, I had parents that loved me, right? Well, the IVF babies are also, are also formed that way, Yes, but it's still, it's the, the still genetic components of their mom and their dad. And they are, um, and they, and that is to me, I see that as an act of love because you're, you're, you love each other. You want to, you know, care, you want to combine your your DNA with each other to have, to produce something. So it's a product of your love. So that's kind of the way I see it. So, and and I don't want to get too mixed. This is why I do podcasts. I want us to be able to talk this through because um, I'm hearing the listeners going, well, wait a minute. Are you saying all IVF babies aren't 
weren't made in love and that they would argue with you on that, you know, here, I can also hear an RP say like, great. So now I, you're saying I didn't make my kid out of love, which I absolutely made my kid out of love. Yeah. And they were so wanted and now they're going to be mad at me. I will say, don't take it personal. I am not talking about the choices my mom made. I'm actually kind of talking about my biological father or how about allow me your kid might experience this. So be equipped for this conversation that might come up, but allow me to feel that pain or that struggle that I wasn't created out of love. It's the truth. It's okay. I, now I'm going to work through it and, and I'm, I have worked through that and I'm fine now, but I, but being able to say it out loud, there's a shame for me to even to admit that when it's true. Sure. Um, yeah. And I get and the that because the wanted conversation pops up here too. And we can touch on that if you want to. Yeah. But- Let's wrap this one up because what I, what I want to say is that, you know, first of all, Lindsay said, you know, it's when it's so important to listen to, you know, don't take it personal to listen to what she's feeling and not make it about you, not making it about us, the parents. I'm going to say us. Cause, cause I'm, that way I'll take on the parent role right here. I'll kind of play role play. We'll role play here. So when you, when we're saying, you know, that you, you, Lindsay, and this is important, feel that, you know, you were con- when your conception wasn't made in love and therefore that makes you feel what tell me then let's go further so they can understand your feelings. Yeah. I would, I, I would say that it makes me just feel different and, and different. a little okay. like, um, okay. yeah. And yeah, I guess different is probably the word different than other people who were made out of love or different than, um, both, 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 um, sides of someone's identity came together to make love. Both sides of my identity did not come together for that mm-hmm. only one side. And, mm-hmm. um, I would say, instead of trying to argue me out of that feeling mm-hmm. or to automatically get defensive and say like, no, I really love my kid. I can hear my mom saying, I loved you. I wanted you like you came from love instead of doing that. Just stop yourself and say, I, I hear what you're saying. And I hear that is your pain. And that is your experience. Yeah. And just sit with and it. allow your kid to sit with it. And I'm going to play the parent right now. And I'm going to say this as the parent, tell, you know, tell me more about, you know, feeling different. Cause I can understand what you're saying that that would make you feel different. You know, I can understand that. So tell me more about what then feeling different, how that's impacted you in your, in your life. Like I've even like in my twenties, I would joke around and say like, yeah, like I, who knows how old I am. I was frozen for how many years, who knows? And then I got Mm -hmm. put on an airplane and shipped to Florida and got put on a FedEx truck and shipped to the doctor's office. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was, and still sometimes my siblings and I will, will joke about it, but it, if we're, if we really think about what we're saying, we're saying that we were not created in the way that most people are created. And, and that hurts sometimes to think about that, not because we're mad at our parents, not because now you're going to do this and screw your kid up and you're going to cause pain, but just because it's the reality of being donor conceived. There's a gamut of emotions. Mm-hmm. And for some of us, this is how we feel. And maybe if we feel can... it for a little bit and maybe we feel it for our whole life. I, I don't, I can speak for myself and say I'm over it, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's definitely something that has come up. And I um, think that's so true because when, especially when you find out late, when you're trying to figure out your, yourself and where you came from. And some people probably do this more than others. And you go back in time and you go, okay, where did, where did I start? 
what is the start for me? Most people are going to go back to that moment of, you know, your parents had sex and wanted you. Um, So when the story isn't that, then you have to conceptualize, well, what is it? What does it look like? And, and then the, the, who we are as people, we, we can't, there isn't no, there isn't a finite place where we know we start. The only way we know is through physical and the embryo is a physical structure. It's a physical thing. So, so for you, you identify with that physical structure, that embryo, and that feels like to you, you were shifted around and frozen and then put here. Yeah. So that's like a part of, of who you, you are now as you're processing it. Now, maybe over time, eventually you, you start to uh, detach from that idea of, of who you are more and more, you know, as we're kind of wrapping our heads around what's beyond physical or whatever your belief system is, but that's an important part of almost of processing is what I'm hearing is that you need to process that origin story. Well, and I think too, when we tell our kids, um, like that, this is such a cliche thing, but like when you're telling your kids about the birds and the bees, what's the very first sentence that, well, I'll say heterosexual couples. Mm -hmm. What is the very first sentence they say? Mommy and daddy loved each other and they really wanted to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And so they let their love created a baby. That's not, that is not true for me. Right. Mm-hmm. They're my, my parents loving intentions may have created, but, but to learn about like the birds and the bees that way is not real for me and for donor conceived people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we Which can, then, back, yeah. But, but yeah. It, and again, maybe I'm the only DCP. I don't know. I well, Some of my siblings feel this way too, but, um, or maybe it doesn't hit DCP till much later, but having my own kids now, and I've had my kids naturally with my husband, we didn't need to use a donor. Um, I will say as a donor Kinsey person, I would never use a donor because I could never do this to somebody. Um, but my kiddos, um, it's, I think maybe because I'm a parent now and I made my kids out of love that it might feel a little different for me now, knowing how I was made. I'll just say that. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Um, yeah. And I can, you know, we'll, we'll move on because this will open up a can of worms I know, and it will. And, and because it's the very, you, you hit at the core of what parents contemplate and feel guilty about and worry about the core of that being, are they doing something wrong? And, and, and what, if, what if you didn't, what if I could say you didn't do anything wrong, you had the loving intention of creating a child So this isn't about you. This is just this, your child could one day feel this way, accept it now, work through it now so that when they come to you and say things like this, you don't automatically talk them out of this feeling that instead you just allow to sit with them. I think that's the biggest thing about, I mean, I'm, I'm not a perfect parent. I'm sure I'm screwing my kids up somehow. Trust me. We all do like, Mm -hmm. no one's perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But if somebody said to me, like, Hey, um, this thing you're doing right now, like when you're telling your kid this in five years from now, it's going to, it's going to cause a little bit of a discomfort for them. I would want to know. So I could, instead of taking it personal, like I did this to them, I could say like, "Mm, what can I do to prepare myself to help her through this then? Okay. Yeah, I agree. I am not, what would you say? What would you say to people who would say, and I've heard this out there, um, that this is an, what you feel is an extreme view. Um, I've talked to, so I've, I've been in the donor conceived community now for 16 months. I've spent a lot of time talking to donor conceived people. I, I don't feel like this is an extreme view. Um, there are people that don't feel like this at all, including in my sibling group. Um, but I would say it's a feeling from a DCP person. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's possibility of a feeling. Yes, yes, it is. And again, absolutely to do with my mom. Yeah. I am not mad at my mom for the way that she created me at all. I'm here. I'm mad at the industry. Um, and I'm, and I get a little upset that, and my mom has allowed me to process and allowed me to say things like this, you know, but I get upset when some, an RP wants to fight me on the way that I feel, um, because they're making it about themselves. There's nothing yeah. to do with it. Yeah. Very good. And so what, what that, I think that's really important is what you just said is this, it's not an extreme view. It's a possible view. Yeah. It's very possible. It's very real and it's normal and it's part of our psychological development. It's, you know, not likely you'll stay in this place. No, no. that you're all today, you know, five, 10, 20 years from now, you're probably going to be in a very different place because we're constantly changing. Well, and this is a process and, and, and for some, I know that like open, 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 don't, or open ID until 18 or whatever it's called. Um, your 18 year old after 18 years of not knowing who their bio parent is might feel this way, or might feel a lot of ways that DCP say, um, that 18 years is a long time not to know where you come from. Um, so, um, so there are parents out there that think if they tell early, then that's it. That's all they have to do. They're pretty much done. And, you know, their kid knows and and they're going to be, they're not going to have, um, this, this possibility of a viewpoint may not happen. I think telling early is the, is the bare minimum. I think telling early is exactly what you should be doing, but telling early, but then also getting ready to support your kiddo and then your adult child through being DCP, um, needs to happen. Also Mm -hmm. celebrating the other 50% of who your kid is. I I mentioned this when I did, um, a live with connecting rainbows, but I, I said, uh, 50% of me feels very worthy. My mom and my dad did an amazing, they're amazing people. Most DCP grew up in really amazing, loving homes. Mm -hmm. That's that's not the, um, exception. That's the rule. Most of us, Mm -hmm. not all, but most of us. Um, and they made me feel worthy every single day. My dad's not even here. And I still feel like he makes me feel worthy, which Aww, is awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, um, absolutely. So, but, but that's only 50%. There's another 50% who doesn't make me feel very worthy, um, who won't even return my phone calls, um, who, um, pretends I don't exist, um, who sold me wanting nothing to do with me that doesn't make me feel worthy. So when I, so when I hear I'm so wanted by my parents, it, it, it's just, they're just, it feels like they're just ignoring that other 50% that didn't want me mm-hmm. and not even just my bio father, but like grandparents and, um, uncles and all of like the family that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this first generation, if I had to sum up what this first generation of DCP are saying is that, whether or not the donor thought this could be a thing, whether or not they signed up for this, it's here. We, this, this generation of adults have grown up wanting our bio family. Mm-hmm. We feel like we were severed and we want our bio, not all again, not all, mm-hmm. but the majority of donor conceived people want to know our bio family. It's actually a human right. The UN put out that it's a human right to know where you come from. Um, so a lot of people feel that our human rights have been violated by creating us while withholding 50% of who we are. So, yeah, it's, 
it's like you feel kind of back to what you were saying that it's half of you reminds me of the podcast half of me with Allie. Yeah. I don't know if you've listened to it. Yeah, I have, yeah. She's yeah. going to be a guest up again, the oh. next guest too. Oh. So, but it's, you feel conflicted because it is, it's half of you. So, and you know, in, in David Brodzinski's book, being adopted the lifelong search for self, he quotes research that says that, or he says a hundred percent of adoptees search in their mind. And so even if some, you know, adoptees didn't want to have um, contact or don't pursue contact that they still wonder, they do that grocery store looking at faces, you know, is that person related to me? Or wait a minute, they kind of look like me. Could, could I be related to them? So um, what develops with in the adoption research you, you can read about is fantasy thinking and fantasy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so there's a fantasy family that, that develops in the mind of a child. And so for an adoptee who's lost both parents, it could be like a whole family for a donor conceived person. It could be half of a family, uh, mm-hmm. a fantasy family. So that is something that can happen and make a person feel conflicted, even if they're not interested in pursuing any kind of contact. I can so, definitely see that. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see that. I think um, a lot of donor conceived people who don't know um, who they're, and listen, for eight, the kids are the best at using their imagination. So if you're waiting until your kiddo is 18, to find their bio family, they're going to come up with all sorts of. Oh yeah. There's tons of time. Oh yeah. There's tons of time to create lots of vivid pictures. Yes. And And it happens automatically. I will say for a lot of people, it's not like you're trying to sit down and think about it. It just happens. So, and I told this story on social media, but when I was 17, my, um, I grew up in Jersey and we went on a a high school trip and we went to the public, New York um, public study library. And I walked in and saw this man standing there I can, I can, he's still like burned in my brain, but, um, he was like, um, in a business suit and he had his hands in his pockets and he was looking up at the wall. And I was like, oh my God, that's my bio dad. (laughs) (laughs) He was probably like, what is this person doing? But it's interesting to me that the people that I would look, so I also used to be a flight attendant and there was a guy that came in on, he sat in first class and I was like, oh my God, he looks like me. He could totally be my bio father. Mm -hmm. Um, I chose men that were very successful, um, to wonder if they were my bio father. Some of my siblings say we were, were just relieved that our bio father isn't in jail because yeah. they had fear yeah. that he was going to be like some degenerate, awful person, yeah. like a murderer, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. interesting that, that, so even within my sibling group, the things that we have dreamed up, um, were, are very different because we didn't have access. Yeah. So and it's, it's crazy how, but it's true, how relevant this person is to you in the fact that they could or maybe in jail. I thought, I thought the same thing. Like, what if my birth father's in jail yeah. and I don't want to know, you know, that yeah. would make, cause I knew if I, if that was the case, I would have to cope with, with these feelings of, is that in me? Is that in me? And, you know, it, it's weird how you can internalize that. And, and it's somebody you don't even know because you know the power of genetics and the expression of genetics. We, we know the power of that. And so intuitively, it's just an intuitive human thing to do. And if you haven't had a loss, a genetic loss, you take it for granted because you've had those built-in signposts, those built-in narratives that you didn't even give it a second thought. So it's sometimes hard to put ourselves, you know, it's hard for for RPs to put themselves in the, in the shoes of their child. And then there's, it's some, for some RPs, they're, they're very on board and have trying to do all they can to learn yeah. for their child. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, there's so many 
I want to say there's so many parents out there I hear from all the time that want to do the best thing they want to learn. They want to grow. And, yeah. and that's a fantastic thing. Um, what I also see though, unfortunately is a trend of parents kind of getting stuck in the telling we told early and we're good and we're going to be fine. Like our kids are not going to have any issues. And you know, these, these angry quote unquote donor conceived people are going to be a, a generation that's, that's gone. And then we can, whew, we can move on, but it's not true because the, the topics that you're bringing up are developmentally human. They're, they're universal there. Yeah. It's universal development. So it could, this, what your point of view is, is a possibility, a normal possibility for a donor conceived person to feel. I know that scares the heck out of you out there, parents. I know that scares you. You don't have to be scared. You don't have to be scared. You have to be skilled. Yeah. And skills require, you know, being willing to go out there and find help, get help, talk about it, work through your own stuff. And, you know, I had to do it. I had to do it with my daughter and my own adoption. I had to do some serious work because if I didn't, I know I was going to put a bunch of stuff on my daughter that wasn't about her or it's hard work, but it's worth it. So I would just say skills, right? Skills, skills are the key. And I think like we were talking about the sort of like those, those fantasies that kids can have about, um, really adults too, because it was well into my twenties that I believed I had this like idea that my bio father was just this like very successful man. And one day maybe I'll know who he is and we'll just be friends and he'll be like my mentor. And it'll be so cool. Um, half of Mm -hmm. it came true, but, um, what's, what's interesting is that the, the whole like nature versus nurture, right. The things that I get from my bio father, now that I know who he is, there have been moments that while I've been processing the last 16 months and whether I'm 40 and found this out or 18 or found this out or 13 and found this out, I believe these processes would happen anyway. Um, when I figured, when I found out who he was and some of the, the not so great things that I found out about him, um, I called my best friend and I'm like, I'm going to try not to cry. Cause it's actually, maybe I'm still processing this. How could I come from that? Like, how could I come from somebody like that? Um, while he is successful in his, I, I can say probably a hundred amazing things about him. Um, the way that he has handled us, I'll speak for myself, the way that he has handled me feels really hard. And my dad who raised me would never do this to me. Um, Mm. He wasn't this, he wasn't that kind of a man. My dad, if my dad had donated and 40 years later, a whole bunch of kids showed up, he'd be like, Hey, everyone, let's talk. He, he was just a very honorable, kind, amazing man. And there is a struggle sometimes that comes up. And I know I'm not the only DCP that feels this way. My siblings have felt this way too. It's, I wish within my bones that my dad that raised me was the man was my biological father and not my biological, like, Mm. not that I won't, not that my biological father raised me, but that my dad, Norman Durand, who was my dad, I wish that Mm. Norman was my biological father. And not this mm-hmm. guy, because then I would at least know that I come from this amazing person. Um, and mm-hmm. I can't say that I come from good right now. Um, not to say I'm not, my biological father's not a villain, but I, I don't feel the warm and fuzzies um, coming at me from him. Um, and let's, but no, but let's go there because I like, this is a good segue because what happens when you don't know that person, you don't have a connection or relationship with them they do become 
one or the other, they do become polarized in, in our, in our minds as kids and adults, you know, and it's that we, we, it's hard to see the complexities of a person. And so when you say this, you know, this donor helped, this nice lady helped, this nice man helped, you know, we're, we're painting this person with one brush and this is who they are and oversimplifying it. And it's so much more complex than that. And so, yeah, but in your mind, you know, you, it's, he's become kind of, because he's hurt you because you've been hurt by this, his reaction, he is a bad guy, you know, in your mind, in your, and think of your, you have to go back to your child, your childhood mind too. So the biggest thing is that I, I, it comes from expectations. So I had expectations of how yes. a father, not that I want him to be my dad. I don't want him to be my dad. Mm-hmm. Even if we were best friends, I would not, I would not call him dad. I don't want him as my dad. Some DCP want that. I do not. Um, but you have an idea of who he is. So, so all of those years of, of dreaming up who this person might be, um, I had a lot of expectations and my, some of my mm-hmm. siblings don't have those expectations, but I had a lot. Um, and mm-hmm. I get that, that some of my hurt is not something he's causing. It's something that my expectations caused, but my expectations were formed just out of being donor conceived and trying to process all of this because I didn't mm-hmm. have my mom didn't have this first generation of DCP to say, Hey, arm yourself this way so that you could help your kid, you know, don't say this nice man or this amazing person, or he wanted to give you a, wanted to give us a gift. Um, don't, don't say things like that because it's not, that can be hurtful to some DCP and could be hurtful to your kid. My mom says all the time now, man, I wish I had the info that, that these new RPs have. Oh my God. She's mm-hmm. like, I would do things so differently for one. Really? She would find my siblings, her seeing this relationship now that I have with my siblings. Mm-hmm. It's like, she, you could have grown up with each other. You could have known each other. Mm-hmm. Um, my sibling group, we have, um, run like a WhatsApp text chain. And yesterday we started sharing mm-hmm. pictures of, of us growing up. Um, and so like baby pictures and pictures when we were five and our awkward stages when we were 13 and, um, one of my siblings said, wouldn't have been amazing if all these kids grew up together. And, and a lot of us were saying like, that's the hardest part of this is that my sisters didn't come to my wedding. Um, they, they weren't there for my first heartbreak. They weren't there when my dad died, my brothers weren't there to stick up for me. But the biggest thing is just to understand this life, mm-hmm. to walk through it because my sister that I share a mom with, I mean, we're incredibly close. I, I mean, I think, I mean, she's my sister. Um, it's, it's challenging for her because she can't relate because she's not donor conceived. Right. Um, mm. so it would have been amazing to have my siblings if my mom had had the access to DNA mm. test me as a kid. Yeah, we do know it's healthy for children that like adoptees or donor conceived children to know other children like them, other families like them. So they don't feel as different. Um, but what you were just describing is another loss. Oh, so you have, yeah. So you had the loss of the genetic connection and you have the loss of the siblings and the loss of the relationships and the loss of time. So these are, again, it's all these compounded losses. And when we look at the, the beginnings of your story, the beginnings of your parents' story was an infertility story and there were losses there. So, you know, I've talked about that grief time travels and loss mm-hmm. is becomes this theme that can that just keeps going all the way through a family and does a, does a lot of damage when it's not properly 
dealt with. And that's the key, right? So we're talking a lot about like the DCP lived, my, not the, and there, and all of the negative parts of this. Right. And I know that there are RPs thinking, so I'm screwed no matter what, especially RPs that are dealing with, I mean, if you're an RP, likely you're dealing with infertility or you are in an LGBTQIA family and you need to use a donor. Right. Um, I'm not saying that you're screwed. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to traumatize your kids no matter what, because you want to have a baby. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, Mm -hmm. put yourself aside, listen to what DCP are saying so that you can Mm -hmm. help your kiddo because I was raised by an RP. I think that's what RPs, when they get into these like Facebook fights with DCP, they forget that we were raised by RPs and it didn't Mm -hmm. turn out that great. Right. We're on there talking about our losses. It didn't turn out that great. So, that's what I've said in the post yes. before. I was like, you are literally and metaphorically a family Just <laughs> in, instead of, and you're fighting. It's like yeah. a big family fight. You, yeah. Instead of continuing the mistakes that our parents made because our parents didn't have the info, you have the info now, just listen, just put yourself aside and just be ready to be able to emotionally support your kid. And so the things that I think in my head that could have helped me or that could help this next generation of DCP growing up is yes, absolutely. Tell your kid like from birth, their donor conceived, don't lie. Cause that's really intense to find out. Um, when you're an adult, um, don't put the onus on your kid to have to find their bio family because this was your choice. It is not their choice to be donor conceived. It is not their choice to be severed from their bio family. So help them DNA test your kid early. Um, and we can talk about that in a minute, but, but, mm-hmm. um, find their bio family and we, yeah, we can, we'll, I'll go back to that. Um, and, yeah. and then find ways to support your kiddo. So listen to the stories and think like that may not happen for my kiddo, but if it does, I'm going to, I'm going to work through it now. All of the feelings that I have to the yuck and muck of what I feel about this, so that yes. I can be mm-hmm. like that strong support system. Because if you, mm-hmm. if you don't, your kid's never going to tell you how they feel because we will protect our mm-hmm. parents we will see that it hurts you and you don't want to talk about it. So we'll protect you because we love you more than we will talk about how we feel about being donor conceived because we don't, I, I don't have love for my bio family because they've never been in my life. I love my parents. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. So those are, those are the, the big things. And then know that if, if you are not the biological parent in the family, there is no comparison for your kid between you and the bio father or the bio parent. Like my Mm -hmm. dad is a thousand percent. My dad, that man did not skip a beat and how he felt about me. I was his daughter. It didn't matter. He, so DNA Mm -hmm. didn't matter for him. I was his Mm -hmm. kiddo and the same, Mm -hmm. the fact that he and I don't share DNA doesn't matter. He is my dad, Mm -hmm. but I still have a biological father. And that person's very important. And I, and my, my biggest struggle is, I guess now that my dad's anniversary is coming up is that I wish he could be here. So I could just say to him, none of that mattered, but I wish that you could have celebrated the other part of me instead of ignored it because you didn't want to see that I have a different nose or you didn't want to see that I don't look German at all. I'm very British. Mm -hmm. Um, You didn't want to see that I have these like ridiculous dreams to like be a university president someday. And that didn't fit in our Mm -hmm. family of plumbers and nurses. Like Mm -hmm. instead it was just ignored. Instead it was, gosh, was it discouraged? No, my, no. um, 
I started taking flying lessons when I was 13. I I've always done like big, I've always loved my life out loud very much. And I don't, it was never mm-hmm. discouraged, but it was definitely talked about in me being different. Like, I don't know where yes. you get this from. No mm-hmm. one in our family wants to do these things. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, my daughter's crazy. Yes. It, it, not crazy in like a crazy way, but just, she's just so um, brave and, but it was never like, yeah. I bet that you're so brave like that. Cause I wonder if your bio family is that way. And then if you right. find that, I right. actually say like, oh, isn't it crazy? You're just like your bio father. He's the same way, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's what I encourage parents to do. Why am I the only yeah. one in my family that wants to do these things, you know? And then, and then why is nobody talking about no it? About, about, yeah. Yeah. Why is nobody saying that this is a part of me that, that is different and that's okay. And embracing it and, and calling attention to it. And I, I grew up hating my nose, hating my nose. And now mm-hmm. that I'm thinking about it, I, well, it's very pointy, and, but now that I'm thinking about it, I probably hated it. Cause it didn't look like anybody in my family. It didn't yeah, probably anybody mm-hmm. in my family. I have, mm-hmm. so if I put my hair in a ponytail, you can tell that I have one ear that sticks out and the other doesn't, which most mm-hmm. people would be like, that's weird. I love it because I know that my mom's dad had that. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Okay. So you know where it came you know where from, where it came from right yeah. now that I've met my siblings who share my nose and I'm like, Oh, that's not something to be hated. That's something to be celebrated. We all have this pointy nose. Isn't that great? <laughs> it's you like know? your sense of belonging. Yes. Yeah. It's, yes. it's where you belong. Yeah. And it's, that's genetic mirroring because when we talk about that, a lot of people don't understand all of yeah. your kid and not just the part that you're, that you made. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a good stopping point. Lindsay and I kept talking, but we have already covered so much. Then I want to just pause here and give you a little teaser for the next episode with Lindsay. We will be talking about should you DNA test your child? And is it your story to tell? Is your child's donor conception story your story to tell? A lot of parents do say, it's not my story to share. So we're going to be addressing those two topics in the next episode of Three Makes Baby Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you would like to follow for more content, you can go to my Instagram and Facebook account at Jana Repnow LPC or follow Three Makes Baby on Instagram. You can get a copy of my book and the companion workbook to Three Makes Baby on Amazon. If you like this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe. Have a great day.